but I am finding that there's some overpriced real estate in this marketplace. Welcome to the John and Jonathan Sell NYC podcast, where experienced expert New York City real estate brokers, John Gastaska and Jonathan Conlon, break down what's happening in the market, what you need to know, whether you're a buyer, seller, or agent, and their insight into the future with a little bit of fun along the way. In this week's episode, John and Jonathan give their thoughts on Corcoran's Q2 market report, shed some light on what types of listings are moving, and tell a few surprising stories along the way. Buying and selling property in this climate is complicated, which is exactly why having expert real estate brokers like John and Jonathan on your team is so valuable. Welcome back, everybody, to episode two of John and Jonathan Sell NYC podcast. Hi, Jonathan. How are you? I'm great, Jonathan. And you? I I, I couldn't be better, even though it's very, very hot and sticky in Manhattan, but I, I like Manhattan in any temperature. So... Experience this week, John. What happened? What have you well, been up to? You. Four weeks into the recovery, we've got a little bit more time under our belt. First podcast, only you had an experience out with. Uh, with at that time. Why now, don't you I, lead uh, people with what you talked to me about your experience first? On our last episode, you talked about your buyers. I think it was all resale. All resale. Yeah. yeah. A couple new developments. I actually got into a construction site, uh, and it was, you know, it was pretty easy, frankly. We, every, you know, of course, masks everywhere and hard hats at the at the construction site. Uh, and one building that I showed, which I found very interesting, is the Hayworth, which is 86th and Lax. The location's not going to be for everybody, but it's done. We talked about this earlier. It's done. Amenities are done. Beautiful roof deck. Nice lobby. Nice finishes. Um, and they don't have one contract signed. I think there's maybe 90 units in the building, mid-sized building, and not one in contract. So that was very interesting because it's something that you and I haven't seen before, which is a, a fully completed and done building of any substantial size that has not one contract. And for the audience, what a development needs is 15% of their of the total number of units in contract in order to declare the plan effective is what the terminology is. And that basically means there's been enough interest to now say, okay, it's the city recognizes it's a condominium and they can actually start closing on the unit. So, and they don't have one, they need 10 in order to to declare uh, effective. So quite sure what that's going to equate to, but there's certainly a lot more risk involved for the first people to jump in, which would lend uh, you to believe that there's going to be more flexibility in that sort of a a category. We're looking actually uh, to to make an offer on one of the apartments, trying to figure out, okay, well, what do we do to make it still attractive for the sponsor in terms of the structure, as attractive as we can, uh, by also equating to the lowest cost. After basically what you've just described, would you say that this is a buyer's market? If a new development project has yet to sell one unit, do you not think that the seller is going to be apt to negotiate on price? They're in troubled waters. I mean, the exit strategy is, of course, they could always convert the building to a rental bill. That market gets saturated very quickly. So they were heavily overpriced before. They're still overpriced. They have made some price reductions. This is, we're looking in the 5 to $7 million range. And they've made some million dollar price reductions on those post-COVID. They still got them. They still got a ways to go. And I think it'll be interesting once you do solidify an accepted offer for this purchaser, because the buyer that you're working with is extremely serious. 
it'll be interesting to see how much of a discount will be gotten because as we talked about in episode one, the larger apartments are seeing greater discounts. And whether this sponsor is even going to fit into the category of realistic, it's tough to pinpoint, which we talked about a bit last week. What does the discount really look like? or COVID, if you were to just tag it to, okay, we're post-COVID, because everybody says, oh, well, that that comps pre-COVID. We can't quantify that discount associated with COVID. Does everybody believe that there's that some discounts should be should be expected? Yes, but it's hard to say until we until deals start to get done to, to really quantify. Is that 2%? Is it 10%? Is it 20%? You know, that's very tough. And now we have, we're looking at a development that was already overpriced and now has the added caveat that it's already done. It's completely, it's completely done. And the sponsor really needs to sell those units. Next, John covers what he saw this week with buyers at lower price points. You might be surprised. Multiple offers, backups, and discounts aren't unheard of in this market, even with a lower budget. I actually was quite busy myself. So my first buyers, who were the buyers under a million dollars, we saw 15 apartments. The buyers were very aggressive. We found one apartment we did not think they were board qualifiable for. So they pulled out of that and they, we found them a midtown, really pretty one bedroom apartment. The seller negotiated with us and now we have an accepted offer as of Saturday. We did very well with the negotiating and it was within 10% off ask, but we got a, a good discount. The second buyers, it was even more interesting and more telling because they're West Side buyers and they are the ones that have a very small parameter territory and budgetary restrictions. Based on what the, their area, I showed them two different apartments. In both instances, the one that was more renovated than the second one the more renovated apartment, which was priced very, very well. I showed the husband on a, let's say a Tuesday evening or Wednesday evening. And then the next email that I got was, we're having multiple offers on it and we are going to highest and best by 5 p.m. that day. It was impeccably renovated and it was well-priced, yes. But their hearts were on a diff, the other one that was not as renovated, high floor, very close to where they live. And it was a good apartment. Oh, I'm already envisioning my furniture in the apartment. That's always a good sign when they say that. Unfortunately, the husband got nervous and I counseled the husband. And of course, I didn't push him too hard because I could tell he was extremely nervous. And then by the time that they came back and said, oh, we're, we can't stop thinking about this apartment. I had spoken to the broker and she accepted an offer on the apartment. I encouraged them to make a backup offer. And we are the first backup on the apartment. Then my third buyer really wants to see something with a view on the east side of Manhattan. And that was the one that I couldn't show her, but I got her out to see the other ones on her list. Then in addition, I have a friend looking for a small apartment and I could not get him in during COVID. Couldn't do it. There was no video tour. So now this week it's opening up and I'm hoping you're going to put him on, put him in on something. So I'm quite busy with, with buyers. This isn't the first time John and Jonathan have navigated a complicated market. From the housing crisis of 2008 to 9-11 to the slowdown of the past few years here in Manhattan, they are well equipped with both the experience and expertise needed to move forward successfully. 
In this next section, they call on their experience as brokers to discuss how digital marketing is comparing to in-person showings, whether rentals or sales listings are seeing more traffic, and whether or not they see many of the properties on the market as overpriced as we enter the third quarter of 2020. You are the king of analytics. Sometimes your analysis even puts me into a trance. You analyze and analyze and analyze, and that's why that's why buyers love you. And that's, you're extremely buttoned up when it comes to that. I analyze too, but in my own way. And I don't know about you, but I am finding that there's some overpriced real estate in this marketplace, period. And that does not dissuade me from making a much lower offer. And even the well-priced stuff that I'm seeing, we negotiate on it. We see how much more we can get off of it. But you're really, I think, in that five, well, seven million, seeing some overpriced real estate. Yeah. So people that were on at the same price they were pre-COVID. Listen, I think it has yet to be seen where these things are going to shake out. It just so happened that the, the specific apartments that we're sort of honing in on were overpriced from the get-go. But I think we're seeing a lot of that. People in the mindset of let's wait and see, let's let everybody else reduce price and see if they sell or if they still sit there. And it, listen, we talk, we've talked about this with our sellers that that could help or hurt. For instance, do we list an apartment right now or in three weeks from now? We have a couple that are in that category where we're waiting. For instance, I went this morning to see uh, our listing on 37th Street that's going undergoing a big renovation. We won't have that on the market for a good month at this point, three weeks to a month. Is the market going to be better then than it is now? I think the market on our listings in particular is a little slower than I was hoping for. Correct. Me too. I wish we would have had more, more physical showings, more people in person wanting to come and see it, really showing that interest. But it's a testament to where we are at this point in time. And, you know, I'm kind of torn on it. I'm glad New Yorkers, there's obviously we're seeing a lot of activity online. We're seeing a lot of digital marketing paying off and people asking for videos and people, but the in-person showing requests are certainly a little slower than I had hoped on one side. Um, I don't know. We have significant amount of sales listings on the market or coming on the market, but even more rental listings. And I think there we're starting to see the, the in-person showings. And we're starting to see offers made on the rentals, which is good. The sales listings, I agree with you totally, with the exception of the apartments that are have the outdoor space. We have started to get some inquiries on the listings which have been reduced in price. Yeah. The ones that have not been reduced in price, the crickets are out. But I think it's a testament to New Yorkers still taking this seriously. This is what I'm hoping it's telling us, is that New Yorkers are still taking COVID seriously. Not all of them, but the numbers would reflect that in terms of, you know, look at how much more suppressed our numbers are than Florida or, or Texas. So, and, and we're obviously seeing those hits on the digital marketing side with all the video content that we've been doing and such. Uh, we're seeing people watch those videos. So from, so from like March, April, May, we've seen a huge influx of people into the Hudson Valley, Connecticut, New Jersey, all this exodus. And, but yet then we see people that are coming back into the city, people that we, the buyers that we've had that are remained, et cetera. So quite possibly, could people have a change of, of heart, change of mind? Instead of buying the primary resident now, and I'm doing the commute solely, 
that they could now be changing to, I'm going to buy the weekender place to be able to get out, but yet I'm going to remain in Manhattan. Corcoran recently released real estate market statistics for the second quarter of 2020. In this next section, John and Jonathan break down exactly what those numbers mean, including a metric that was completely removed from the equation for the duration of COVID-19-based real estate closures. One big thing that happened very recently is Corcoran sent out the Q2 2020 statistics. So we have the, the market report out there, which I'd like to ask, what are your thoughts on it? And why don't you lead us through the statistics? Kind of what our expectations were, which with the slow restart, we saw inventory is still down, but I think that's, you have to consider the starting point from the beginning of the quarter with everybody taking their apartments off the market or say, I don't know, we lost 25% 25 or so of the apartments on the market that were taken off. And then we had no new inventory coming on the market. So, and with the phase two opening on June 22nd, you know, we had, you know, nine days basically of information post phase two to go statistics to go into that report. So it sort of made sense to me. And as we discussed, we expected a lot of inventory to come on, which it did, but we're still down, I think, 12% from where we were Q2 last year. Um, It totally makes sense. Pricing softer because the deals being done over the COVID time were certainly at discounts. When we see Q3 uh, at the beginning of October come out, that will be the most telling as to how has COVID affected Mm -hmm. our pricing. Yeah. What I saw, correct me if I'm wrong, but that the median price was down 22% year over year. Average price was down 21%. Down 21, yep. And then the price per square foot were down 7%. But that amount of contract signs, this is citywide, was in the second quarter 694 versus 800 and something last year. 1,605 closed sales in Q2. They said that's the least amount since the early 1990s. 694 contracts signed, 90% of which were done pre-COVID. That's right. Um, So, which makes sense. That means about 70 contracts signed during COVID. Um, Inventory, 6,000 at the end of June. Uh, Days on market, they don't give a number because basically if if our audience doesn't know, the days on market were suspended by the Real Estate Board of New York. They suspended the days on market until we got into phase two. And then, as John mentioned, the median price per square foot, average price per square foot, those are down about 7%. And the median really indicating that being down 22%, indicating that the small, the deals that were done were the smaller deal. As I said, when we see uh, July's, which will come out in early uh, early August. We'll, we'll get a report about July's numbers, which we'll talk about. So those will be interesting to needle on. I think less pertinent are these figures because we only got nine days of, of post-COVID activity in here. Obviously, this is not rocket science, but COVID had a significant impact on the residential real estate market in New York City. How could it not? It had an impact on not only real estate, but on uh, the theater, the, the opera, restaurants, global finance, you know, I mean, you name it. In closing, John and Jonathan speak to what they predict the market will experience during the third quarter of 2020, 
why the volatility of the stock market may actually help recover the real estate market, and a cyclical effect that will likely be one of the biggest reasons for an increase in consumer confidence during the recovery. Where do you see, now that we're in third quarter, the third quarter going? I mean, what, what, do you, what is your prediction? Well, based off of what we've seen thus far, I would say hopefully more and more activity as time goes on here, as people get to a level of comfort with, I mean, the volatility in the stock market actually, I think, helps our real estate market. People will feel better about going to the security of the real estate market. But a lot of it is just dependent on on how many deals get done. There's so many statisticians out there that talk about exactly what's happening at this moment in time. As they release information and we get to review that, I'm hoping that all the numbers continue to move in the right way. We're seeing a lot of inventory continue to come on the market. We're putting more inventory on the market. As people start to buy things, generally speaking, the more people that are buying apartments, whether it's at a discount or not, frankly, the more people that are actually going to contract, that will feed on itself. So that's part of the slow recovery. Oh, my friend just bought an apartment, just went to contract on an apartment. Okay, that increases their confidence level. That activity will breed more activity. It's just how fast it's going to be. So how about yourself? What do you think is going to what do you, what's your prediction, John? I, I think you and I are, and even the, the team as a whole are feeling uh, pent up demand. Okay, so the people who have been sidelined are a bit stir crazy and they're ready to go out and see the apartments. That's great. But we've also had the buyers who are ready, to, ready willing and able to make the offer. So that's, that I believe will continue to be the case. I would venture to say that in quarter three, we're going to have to continue to educate the sellers whose apartments are not receiving attention, as we talked about in the beginning of the podcast, to seriously consider reducing the apartment again until the apartment, until the market responds or taking the apartment off the market. That's COVID. That's, that's the parameters of this market. One, two bedroom buyers maybe trading up from a studio or one bedroom. That's the market that's moving right now. My feeling is I'm cautiously um, optimistic with interest rates being so low. Our consensus is that you and I feel cautiously optimistic going into Q3, given the level of activity that we've already seen within the context of our own business, you and I and our team. In the trenches daily, we're monitoring it based on uh, signed contracts, uh, activity on our listings, etc. So we will see everybody next week. We look forward to it. Hope that you've gotten some concrete data to work from. But I think that if you're looking for an apartment in New York City, now is your time. If nothing else, it's a time to get out there and explore the option. Rates are so low that prices with where they are, I mean, in many respects, you can buy an apartment and keep your monthlies very similar to what it would cost if you were to rent. So hopefully everybody enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, John. You are always a pleasure to talk to. Right back at you, Mr. Kyle. I, I truly appreciate our partnership. Oh, please. Have a great week, everybody. Yeah, I like sound like you. We will see right back here. And uh, thanks for watching.
Thanks for watching or listening to the John and Jonathan Sell NYC podcast, where experienced expert New York City real estate brokers John Gustaska and Jonathan Conlin break down what's happening in the market, what you need to know, whether you're a buyer, seller, or agent, and their insight into the future with a little bit of fun along the way. If you'd like to take a look at our listings, have a property you are thinking of selling, or are wondering if we could help you finally find the perfect place to call home, feel free to reach out. You can email us at info at johnandjonathansellnyc.com or reach out via our Facebook page or on Instagram at johnandjonathansellnyc. We can't wait to share what's coming up next. Stay tuned and we'll see you next time. But on a positive note, and I know you've been really, really concerned about this over the past four months is the tattoo parlors are up and going. And I'd like to see that big COVID. I have this back tattoo that I've been and waiting. I'm going to do a 19 on this arm.